Yo, bro, how you doing? I'm great. We're, we're surrounded by other brothers right now, so we're, we're all blessed. It. Yeah, I don't know where it is. There's energy when you've got your boys together, isn't it? You know, it, it highlights what lockdowns really kept away from us. I, mm. I miss, I miss them. I was about to say the mandem. Can I say that? We've been in nah, this long enough. You're, 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 not, you're, not, you're not that guy anymore, unfortunately. I miss the, the brethren, the fellows, chopping it up together, breaking bread. Your brother's in Christ. That's it. <laughs> How um, you doing? I can't complain. I've said it before. All of the weeks seem to be merging together. Um, and the focus really is on not falling into bad habits, still going outside, still going for walks, you know, maintaining that, um, that, that kind of external mentality, keeping my mental health up. It's becoming more of a challenge every week simply just because you know we're, we're stuck in the same place and we're not able to just yeah. be energized by the people around us but i can't complain still pushing still progressing how about you man i'm good um just just listening to you it highlights that i hope people don't conform to this long term because we can very easily get used to certain conditions so when things do ease i hope they actually do go out mm. and they don't just stay behind screens but but for me it's been a relaxing week um i've been off this week so it's been allowed me to one really care to the family and to do some thinking around the business so in terms of the family i've, I've been teaching my son I've, I've been doing a lot of like numeracy literacy phonics doing quizzes i bought him a tetris board remember tetris the russian game i remember yeah so we, we've been playing odd like quizzes and so he's three years old so i'm just trying to get him to do things during this time which will stimulate him yeah. because we just can't go out that often and at the beginning of the week it was freezing so other than walks we weren't going out yesterday was a lot warmer so i bought him a couple goal posts and a goal and yeah he's 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 not bad he, he might be as good as i don't know can you one day but he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's decent with the ball he's decent with yeah. the ball but it's been a good week um i could delve into that a lot um my wife is slowly understanding that men and women from young age from boys are very different she sees the way that little girls can sit in one spot and just enjoy life whereas little boys they gotta they gotta move around even if they're in their pram they gotta do something with their hands um and as you as you said you got you've got to make positive use of that energy tell me about tell me about um the phone calls that you've had to make this week Yes. Um, before that, in terms of positive use of energy, I made the mistake of watching Space Jam with him at the beginning of the week. And now he wants to be Jordan. Like yes. everything's a basketball. The living room turned into a court. So yes, we've got to channel the energy. But in terms of calls, this week, um, one of the things that we did well in the early days of the business is that we developed really close relationships with some of our partners and we spoke to them regularly um we weren't faceless they knew who we were we knew who they were we were kind of invested in one another's lives three years ago i got married and had a couple of kids and that kind of moved me away from really having those close relationships with the stakeholders and in the last week what i've done is just reach out to a lot of people who are we have started to work with in the business people that we've been working with for a while just to see how they're doing and i've been surprised how well they've responded to it. Like yeah. Frequent comments have been great for our ego in terms of our customer service and what the brand represents and how the brand is moving. But also brilliant in terms of they say, they've said, no one's doing this. So many people are like sending me stuff to, to promote or trying to work with me, but no one's actually having a conversation with me as to 
how can we support you? Mm. And it, it really highlighted that that simple factor of actually reaching out, genuinely saying, well, thank you. And what are you interested in? And how can we support? It goes a long way. Mm. Absolutely. And I think when, when your business grows bigger, the little things that you did in the beginning to help that business become where it is can almost get knocked to the side. So sometimes the best thing to do is almost remember your roots, remember how you started, remember the hunger you had when you, when you first began and tap into that as often as you can. Now, Definitely. we are very privileged today to be joined by, by two individuals who demonstrate that hunger who are constantly innovating, constantly building, and constantly just trying to change the landscape. We're joined by Sean and Craig McEnough, who are the owners and who run um, Original Flavor. And I was, I was thinking about how to describe Original Flavor and do it justice. And I'll call it a movement. And the reason why it's a movement is because Original Flavor, in my view, is so much around culture and around allowing people to connect with Caribbean culture specifically. Um, uh, Original Flavor is uh, an organization which focuses on sharing the beauty of Caribbean food with a mass audience through multimedia channels and are through books, through video, through social media, are building a, a food empire. And you can catch Original Flavor on, on Instagram. You can check out their website. You can also read their eBooks and their actual book that was published through Bloomsbury. So this is a growing, established organization, which I'm really proud to, to be able to, to share with the listeners today. Sean, Craig, welcome. How you doing, guys? Welcome, you doing, guys? You are yeah. Very good. Yeah. Now, did that intro do you justice? What do you think? Yeah, you done pretty well, you know. Yeah, I love it. You know, empire. I love it. I I, I see it as an empire. Like on, honestly, yeah, if I if I see what you guys have done in terms of, and we're going to get into that, but in in terms of the 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 online presence, but then to flip that and go to a traditional publishing approach, I think just demonstrates that you're trying to reach. Um, different audiences through as many mediums as possible. And you've got a, a lot of other activities in, in the pipeline um, that are going to do that even more. But before, before we delve into some of those other activities, I describe what I see Original Flavor as. I'd love to hear how you guys define and see Original Flavor, but also kind of what the origin story is for, for, the, for the business, for the company. Oh wow! It's, you know, we always like to get this asked oh, this question. You know, it, <laughs> it really does um, bring us back yeah. to the beginning of, of time. <laughs> but yeah, what is original flavor? Um, original flavor is what you see right here, right now, at the moment. However, it's my brother and myself, and we come together to show people how to make Caribbean food in a very easy way. But not just Caribbean food. Um, also, it's just flavorful food, really, in an easy way um, to the everyday cook. That's what basically we are in a nutshell. However, as you said, we're building a, a more of an empire sort of aspect of things and yeah. really um, showing the eclectic side of Caribbean food, which isn't just food. Mm. 
it's the cultural aspects of things as well the the community aspect of things and when you start talking about community then, then it goes to a whole new world absolutely but one thing that stands out to me is one of the ways that you can define a culture is by food there's so much around foods that's not just about you know nourishment and energy you know coming together it's about sharing it's about spice versus no spice it's all of these different aspects that can put somebody's identity on a plate and I think it's very interesting in a context now, let, let, me, let me tell you guys a story. When I went to university, um, within the first couple of weeks of settling in, in the dorm, I got approached by a lady. I won't, I won't say where the lady was from, who, who shared the dorm with me. And she was cooking a meal and we were talking. And I saw her boil pasta and then defrost some peas and then add ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just mix it together and that that was wow. her meal and i think she could wow. tell by my face that there was something else. did she offer you something <laughs> yeah she did she did i was like you know what i'm all right thank you but in in the uk in particular i think there's an uphill battle with encouraging people to fall in love with cooking flavorable flavor for food in particular. What's your experience being UK born, UK raised, trying to encourage people to, to fall in love with cooking? I mean, just through our videos mainly. I think yeah. our videos are quite, you know, quite infectious. When you see our videos, it makes you want to make it. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes Caribbean food and our food can seem quite intimidating because it looks so good. But we feel that we're, we're seeing so many people make our make our make our food even even though you ne- you've never made it before mm. you know we've got people like single mothers message us saying that i've never cooked before but your videos have helped me and my family cooks you know what i'm saying to feed mm. their kids so just for our videos through our you know realness through our platform we're just in two normal brothers you know we're not michelin style chefs we're not what you call you know like chefs trained or anything like that we're just yeah. two regular guys that are just giving our honesty online and people can kind of gravitate to that and people like that. But usually sometimes people can see a distance between like a, a real professional chef. The distance is like quite wide, but when it's regular guys from London, they can connect to it more and relate to it. I love it. Um, and for, for anybody who has read your book, um, Original Flavour, they will know how big your nanny was as an influence in your cooking, your cooking style, and your mm. um, uh, your relationship with food. But I've got to ask a question for each of you. Do you remember the first meal that you cooked solo? What? So- before the videos? Like, before the videos, the first yeah. meal that you ever cooked. That you were like proud of, I- that you put a plate in front of somebody and was like, yeah, this was me. I think I remember mine. Why not? I remember cooking like some chicken wings. Like, yeah. I just, I just thinking I was like the best chef ever. Like, just, I think I just, I mean, just sweet chili, some sweet chili chicken wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a bit of seasoning. I thought, yeah, this is this is the this is the one. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought I was a big chef then. Man. I thought, yeah. <laughs> I think you know the one that comes to mind is my mom showed me how to make ackee and saltfish, mm-hmm. and I made it myself. And yeah, I felt so proud of myself. I felt. 
like, wow, man. Like, literally, like, I won a trophy and stuff. Yeah. I like, showed my mum and stuff. So, yeah, that was my first memory of, of cooking the first meal. How old do you think you were? I was probably about 10. Oh, yeah, about, about 10 or 11. I was going to say that. Like it was about 10, 10 or 11, definitely. Because mm. um, before then, probably, we were just watching our grandmother and mum yeah, just cooking. cooking and the kitchen was their second home, man. We were, yeah. we were so close to them as well, so... We're just watching them taking notes and yeah. just keep storing that all in our mind. So when we got older, mm. it all came out, you know. Mm. Like we were almost like the, the sous chefs, as they call it. So yeah. we were like or the KPs. assistants of KPs, yeah. We Kitchen boys. Just cutting up the onions or maybe cutting up potatoes, carrots, yeah. or setting the table, you know, is it like the triangle napkin or this rectangle? Yeah, you know, <laughs> ones. Yeah, so, definitely. Getting in trouble if you do it wrong. That's not yeah, that way. Yeah. That's not the way you do it, you know. That's bone, bone plate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's those, those little chores that kind of like, you know, just help to, to have a, a passion for cooking, you know. Mm. Like, think that like my brother said, the peeling potatoes, setting the table, taking orders for desserts, things like that. Is, I love you know, it. It's all, yeah, it's all part of, you know, the process and the love of, of cooking. Because we feel that pr- cooking is a process. The shopping as well. Mm. Um, going to the market with our mum, you know, buying the right ingredients and, you know, just it's a process that we love, we fell in love with. It, it sounds like an amazing home training. And I imagine a lot of people listening to this can maybe resonate with having to be that sous chef, um, having to actually be in the kitchen if your mum's in the kitchen and, and, and not being on the Sega or the PlayStation and having to learn and help. Mm. but also taking that on into the future. Um, two things which you've mentioned, which I wanted you to kind of expand upon. You, you spoke about uh, the community aspect in terms of this is really helping people who didn't think they could to do it, say the single mothers, but you also you're simplifying the process in terms of showing that it's not as difficult as it could be. During this time when we've seen the likes of Marcus Rashford really promote um, food being given to those who are in need, I see you guys also offering a great service to people who also think, you know, I'm struggling right now. Um, I'm used to takeaways. We can't really afford takeaways. Um, Maybe I can actually make things by myself. Um, Has this been an intentional thought of yours or is this something which just out of your community focus, it's just kind of happened or you've been just supporting people? Um, I think... Yeah, definitely the community aspect um, is important to us. You know, um, you know through that the next generation of chefs are the young people that come before us, especially living in this time as well. There's so much distractions and a lot of things going on, probably more than we were younger. Oh, I wouldn't want to say that, but especially in lockdown as well, you know, I feel like, you know, cooking is a way out mentally as well. You know, it, helps you, it helps your mental health, it helps you stay grounded. Um, it definitely helped us when we were younger as well. Um, you know, living in, in Croydon, Fort and Heath, there's a lot of the temptations, knife crime, you know, things like that. So, yeah, we, we definitely want to help the young generation. We've done a um, flavour festival in October, which we raised money for um, young up-and-coming black chefs, um, under, underrepresented chefs, I would say, that don't have the same limelight as other chefs. So mm. definitely delving into, you know, the community more, going into, we've done a lot of stuff with youth youth work and young people and just inspiring the young people. So we've also taken on two young um, interns, um, 11 to 16 year olds, 11 to 16 year olds, um, up and coming chefs, to train them at the studios, you know, to give them computer skills, give them camera skills, 
and things like that, you know. So definitely, to answer your question, um, community is very important to us and we definitely see them as the future, future chefs. I think that the learning I'm taking from this is whilst doing it because it's the right thing to do, it's also incredible in terms of business success because people buy into that community feel more than they do a product or a service. Yeah. And I think mm. that's one of the reasons why you guys are really blowing right now because people want to be part of the movement. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like they're just exchanging funds. Yeah, exactly. I think, again, that's part of the community aspect. The community aspect is to build, I guess, a unity uh, ecosystem. Uh, yeah. And, and, and also, it's like a moving organism. Like, it's like a, a body. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, in a way, the people are helping to, to move and expand and to develop the body of original flavour into they've seen it from literally from our grandma's kitchen yeah you know what i mean from one follower to now over six hundred thousand followers online so then and then now what we're moving on to in terms of um building a platform of a network a food network mm. so that's what we're trying to move into now more incorporating the community so it's not just me and sean so it's incorporating the people into the community as well. So they feel a part of it. So they felt a part of it already from yeah. our self-published book to our published book to our, you know, our videos, you know, going from bad lighting to decent lighting mm-hmm. now. And you know what I mean? So now mm. it's about incorporating them even further. And it's just gonna be a growing thing yeah. really, how we're incorporating them in different ways, in more relatable ways, based on the conditions of the world conditions of um what people are going through right now and it'll continue to grow so one of the things that you mentioned which i think is interesting is just your 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 growth you know going from one follower to six hundred thousand, understanding that in order to share your in your vision you need to have certain skills now you already had cooking down that was that was nanny's job but then there's other skills that you bring in, you have to bring to the table. You mentioned lighting, audio, video, social media promotion, marketing, all of these different things. Like, how did you develop an understanding for these things? And, you know, were there any that were more difficult to understand than others when you were building? I think, I think it's more so um, learning. We're learning along the way. I mean, mm. things like camera skills, we kind of just learn that and develop that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll never, we'll never camera guys at all. We kind of just got a camera and just learned and researched and looked in, um, like researched our craft and like, explored our craft. Um, social media as well. I mean, my brother's a graphic designer, so that that helped a lot. And I think I learned a lot from him mm. as well. You know, researching, teaching me different things, and yeah, just I think when you love something and passionate about something, make sure don't just stop there. Mm. Don't just stop at what you're doing. Look at other people that are doing something similar. Learn from them. Um, yeah, yeah, I think as well. I think, like my brother was saying, you know, we're two, obviously we're brothers who grew up literally very close, but we're very opposite in terms of our passions, in terms of our um, what areas where we've yeah. developed. You know what I'm saying? My brother's very much... Um, very very good with a lot of things to be honest obviously cooking but that's something that he's developed from a passion to give he's very much a giver 
So you very much are giving in terms of like a personal term, personal term. Not that you don't give. Hundred percent. But no, he's very much in that area, and he's very, very good in terms of the media side of things. He's always been very good in terms of media side as well. It's just being able to understand the position that your is your lane really. Mm. That's your lane, and I think as well as it was a graphic design area that I've come from. You know what? I've been always savvy towards the digital side of things and my passion is like branding, etc. So I understood what potentially we had um, for original flavor. So initially when I was at uni, it was like I had like, like a drinks idea of how to make Caribbean drinks. Yeah, yeah, project you had yeah it was a yeah. little project that I had, like an end of year project at uni. And, you know, I just said to my bro that like, I really want to, I think there's something in this. And my brother's like, you know, why don't you put food in it as well? Mm. And it just made so much sense because obviously we've both been in food and we know the importance of food. And, you know, as we continued with the journey of original flavour, yeah. we understood what we had and we understood the emotional effect that we had with the people. So mm. I think it was taking that emotional effect and then put it into business and to bring a sort of certain structure to it and the consistency. Yeah. So when you talk about business and marketing, yes, we had those areas, um, insights that we've grown into, you know, looking at analytics of what our audience is, the age group of our audience, yeah. what our audience listens to in terms of music, um, you know, where did they go? Yeah. So seeing our audience as a person, so literally, if our mm. audience is a person, what would their name be? Mm. You know, what shoes are they getting? You know, what music are they listening to? What's their Spotify playlist? And that helps to determine mm. the decisions that we make one thousand percent. What in terms of pricing of certain things as well? You know, in terms of what products we, we release. So it's all got to do with um, attracting, mm. you know, <laughs> attracting the body, I guess, yeah. of, of original flavor. You've mentioned two things that really stand out to me there. I think one, one, two, two points that we, we try to echo uh, on this podcast as well. One is around making sure that you're passionate about your business. Mm. I wholeheartedly believe that if you're passionate about something, you can transform it into a business. And you are embodiments of that. You've, you found something that you're passionate about and it evolved. It grew into something that uh, is sustaining you and Ultimately, when dip times are difficult, when um, the money isn't what you thought it was going to be, when there's challenges with dealing with staff and you've got to get rid of people because they're not exactly what you, you were expecting them to be, the thing that keeps you going is your passion and your love for what you're yeah. doing. Um, and that shines through. The other thing, which is almost at the complete end of the spectrum, is be data-driven. Um, we're now fortunate enough to have so much access to data about who's consuming our content, what kind of um, uh, content works well, uh, how we can grow, pricing and analytics, as you mentioned, that it would be a real missed trick if we didn't take advantage of the data that we have access to. Um, one of the um, points that uh, a one of the, the guys I listen to most around this subject is a man called Seth Golden. Um, he talks about why businesses fail. And his statement is a very simple one. Businesses fail because you're not selling a product that anybody wants. 
And it sounds like a straightforward thing, but there are many businesses built on the idea that if I like it, then everyone's going to like it. Um, but, but, what you, but what you're saying, <laughs> but what you're saying is, if, if you know, you've, you've got a vision for something, but also you're listening to your customers because ultimately they're the ones that are going to help you grow and build. Um, Afalabi, I'm going to bring you in uh, in a second, but you know, you, you've, you've gotten to a position where you're, you're an established organization and the, the sky's the limit. What is your vision for the future for, for Original Flavor? What, what would you like to see at the end of this year, at the end of 10 years, for example? First and foremost, just to, just to keep growing, you know, to keep creating more recipes, more content, and also, you know, just bring up up-and-coming chefs, you know, get them on board and build a team even mm. stronger. You know, you mentioned about different aspects of the business, like marketing, communication, things like that, social media. But in the moment, right now, actually trying to build a team, get more. We actually hired three interns that were interns into real staff now. Mm. So permanent staff. So things like that, growing the company even more, creating that empire, like you say. And yeah, just create more books as well. More books. A restaurant is definitely a long-term goal of ours. Love it. That we'd like to have, and it makes sense. Everyone asks us, uh, where's, where's the restaurant that coming? So definitely. But right now, focusing on the brand. Mm. So once we get that restaurant and people see that sign, people will know where it is. So focusing on the brand right now. Leaving a legacy, man. Absolutely. For our kids, for our family. Um, and yeah, just making it bigger possible. I love that word, legacy. Um, yeah. Afalabi. Yeah, legacy leads to my second question, um, which is about you both have kids so you are driven in part by them and at times you will potentially have to say yes or no to certain things because of them so I, I want to kind of understand how you make those decisions um, but, but before that before getting to that legacy part there are many people who will be listening to you right now who will say you know what I've had my idea I've also shared that idea with a sibling or a close friend and it just didn't bang it just didn't happen how is it that these guys have made it work? Especially because they sound so real, so authentic, so just normal, like the, the guys that you might go to school with. But behind it, they've got this, this business analytics, this forensic uh, almost approach to knowing who their customers are. What am I missing that they have? In short, why is it that it didn't work for me and my sister or me and my friends, but it's worked for these two guys? Briefly, why, why do you think it's worked for you and it might not work for others before we could start talking about legacy? Okay. I think at the beginning of when we started it, we obviously wasn't the most, you know, business savvy. However, we had a reason why we were doing what we were doing. So I think it's touching on that reason why. And that's, to be honest, that's a great way where, that's a great way to start a business. Why are you doing it? You know, answer that question. And obviously from, from that question, it can lead on to so many other things. Why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? Who are those people? What did they like? How did they receive, you know what I mean? Um, information. Like where did they receive information? How did they receive information? You know what I mean? So that from that why are we doing it question, it led to so much different aspects of logistically 
creating a business structure. So if taking it for example with us, so why are we doing it? Why are we doing original flavor to show the everyday person how to make Caribbean food easily? Okay, who are those people? 25 to 35 year olds. What are they doing? They're on social media. Okay, what information are they receiving on social media? You know, quick information, very quick. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we're gonna show people how to make the hardest Caribbean food in one minute. Cool. So then, but when's that going next? Like, then the people kind of help to grow yeah. and develop the next stage of the business. Then the people ask for a book. Yeah. Okay, so how are we gonna make a book? It's just me and my bro. Okay, we're gonna use the people. So we've mm. done a crowdfunding campaign to get money to produce the book. So it all stems from that why. And sometimes people get so bogged down in you know, the business plan, which is good. Business plans are 100% good. You should definitely have like a six-month plan, year mm. plan, three-year plan, five-year plan, yeah. 100%. However, I would say actually doing it is far more practical, so far more important than the business plan, 1,000%. Because as you're doing it, it also creates the business plan. Yeah, you did the business plan always developed. Yeah, I'm I'm smi- I'm smiling because it's it's something I, I see quite often where you know you've set up the company on company's house. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You bought the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got the business plan. Yeah, you yeah. made it. Yeah, but you haven't made executed it. yet. You haven't done yeah, anything yeah, yeah, yet. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. That completely resonates with me. Sorry, I had to interrupt with that one, but yeah, please. It's funny because you've got a business yeah. card. People are like, okay, you've got a business card. Yeah. yeah. Okay, tell me about your business. Like, uh, <laughs> Let me get my business plan. Yeah, yeah. six-page document. <laughs> yeah. How about the business plan? Really, it's about, it's about what are you selling? You know what, I mean? yeah. what, what products are you selling? And mm. on, our regard, on our regard, you know, it's selling a, um, a feeling to the people, it's a feeling of pride that you've made a meal for yourself, for yeah. your family, for your loved one. It's it's basically selling that feeling. So being brothers as well, you know, yeah. we're, we're very much naturally have a feeling of you know emotion and relatability as well. So yeah. it's just being real to ourselves and carrying on that 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 sort of thinking really. That that is extremely powerful um, because you you just condensed it into that why. So for those people who are listening who are wondering like why is it that my friends aren't really on it like I am, maybe they're not your business partners because they don't share your vision, they don't share your why. Yeah. And once you have that why, that why must be an action on a day to day basis, something that you're doing rather than a long term yeah. plan that you're just sitting down mapping out your sixteen page document of your business plan to present someone at some point. Um, really really powerful. It, within that why, there must be legacy as well. So, so speak to me about that. So I really want to drill deeper. I, I, I want to ask the question that someone's listening might ask, which is, okay, your why seems great. It's very out there helping people, pushing it even further. When times are hard and the people who you're helping are annoying you, what do you dig deeper to ensure you continue doing it? Um, you mentioned legacy. Can you expand more on that? Yeah, I think I think. So repeat question. Yes. So 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 legacy. Previously, you spoke about you're both parents, both of yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, your why is around really 
ensuring you can help the everyday person cook these amazing meals um, easily, which is great. Mm -hmm. But someone listening might say, you know what, there'll come a point where that in itself, the people who you're helping could become annoying. Mm -hmm. But you've also got kids. So how do you balance um, the business success and actually having kids? And to what extent do the kids actually drive you to continue going further? I think firstly, like Robert touched on this, you have to remember why you're doing it, you know, why you're setting off in the first place and how it can help other other people like your family members, your kids. Um, I think prioritising, you know, planning is, is good as well. Um, planning your days and planning your, your posts and your time with your family. Um, balance is definitely key when you have a family, you have kids. Um, you know, it's, it's fundamental, man. You know, having having my son, you know, it's, it's been it's been difficult, but I've enjoyed it because I, I, look, I look at my son and I, it, it kind of drives me even more to do to do better. So whenever I'm making those recipes, those videos, I think about him. Think about because even now he's, he's he's one now, so he looks at my looks at our book, and he's like, "Daddy, daddy, daddy." He knows that <laughs> I'm cooking. He sees that I'm with food. So whenever he sees food, he's like, "Mmm, mmm." So he's starting to <laughs> develop. You know, you know, that I'm, I'm I'm involved in food, so I definitely want to get him involved in it. Um, when he gets a bit older, but yeah, man, just having the kids definitely spurs you on even more. Like, there's no other better reason. Even I had a bigger reason before, but even now, mm. even more bigger now to leave a legacy for them. Um, so they can feel proud and feel a sense of you know, representation that my dad's doing that. I can do that as well. You know, and that's what it's about. And do you feel like you're having a balance now? Now, I know to build the brand, there must have been late nights, there must have been loads of all-nighters, hard weeks to get it to where it is. And the when you're building a business, the, the work-life balance is mainly work. But now that you're, you both have, have families, do you feel like there's more of a balance? Are you managing to keep that? Yeah, I think there has to be a balance. I think sometimes, you know, when you're in it, you don't really see perspective. Yeah. And it takes, you know, like, this is to say, you know what, that's great, like, Sean, you need to, like, spend time with us a bit more, you know what I mean? And sometimes when you're so passionate about, especially with the startup, yeah. you know, I mean, those times when the, the missus or the family, they're very understanding, they're very much, yeah, do the all night, oh, yeah. But then it comes a point in time where you yeah. need to have a bit of balance. Mm. of um, practical practical balances so intentionally you know what I mean saying okay on Sunday I'm doing this with the family or Saturday I'm doing this with the family and nothing can come in between that that time because the same way how Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday you know what I mean you're doing certain things within the business you need to have some sort of practical element for your family as well that's, that's something as we've grown, um, it's something that you have to intentionally do. Because obviously when you're younger, you know what I mean? If it's just you by yourself, then you've got all the time in the world. You know what I mean? You make your own schedule. But, you know, when it's time for bath time for the kids, you've got, you got, you got to be there. You know what I mean? When it's time to, to, yeah. to be there to watch them grow because you can't get that time back. So you need to be able to balance those two things to make sure that you're there for your kids, um, for your family, for your, for, your, for your partner, but also present, obviously, for the business as well. So it's just about being intentional. I think that's something that we've developed. A hundred percent. And I mean, 
I've said it to you guys before the podcast, but we really appreciate you joining us today because I know that in order for you to say yes to this, it's you having to make a decision about how that impacts your family. Uh, one of the reasons, just, just for the listeners, we, we meet at 7.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning where most yeah. people are still asleep. And one of the reasons why we've made that decision is because we're, we're both married. And typically 7.30 in the morning is while our wives are either still asleep or just getting ready, which means that we're not taking too much time um, away from them. But, but Sean, you mentioned something which is, is amazing, which is the fact that your son saw your published book and looks at it and goes, dad, dad. And yeah. there's so many reasons why that is, is, is valuable because I don't know anybody else from my upbringing, my kind of background with a published book. And your son is going to grow up thinking that's the norm. Mm. By the time your son is 18, there may be a whole catalogue of books that you guys have produced and your son will grow up thinking, I could do that if I wanted to. And I think that is so powerful because the expectations change and the ambition of the next generation can change as well. Now, I've got a book right here. Yeah. Um, in my house, there's two, two of these books. And <laughs> um, my, my question is, what was your experience of actually getting a book traditionally published? As I mentioned, it's published by Bloomsbury. You put, you've done a self-publishing book, but this yeah. book that I'm holding right now was published by Bloomsbury. Can you tell yeah. the, the listeners a little bit about what that experience looked like? Okay, great. So firstly, um, the self-published books, so how we got to the published book was, we created a self-published book. Um, my brother touched on it. Um, the crowdfunding campaign that we did in 2017 with our followers. So our followers wanted the book. So we gave them a book, but um, we needed the money because we had no, we had no money. <laughs> so we done a crowdfunding campaign. We were able to raise, I think, about £15,000 to produce the production for the book. Obviously, my brother's the designer that helped. And we've done the recipes. And we, yeah, we contacted a, a company in Slovenia um, to, to produce the books. Um, it was a guy in a lorry that took like three days to come down. We had to take the books down from the, from the lorry, you know what I'm saying, put them down in the shed. And kind of like that experience there was, you know, it was, it was tough. It was, it was grafting, but it was a good experience. And that book went on to do really well. That like went on to be number one seller on Amazon, just for me and my brother um, doing it. We kind of read it, we edited everything, we read over it. There's a few spelling mistakes, but it was part of the journey, you know. <laughs> it still got to number one. Uh, we're really proud of it. And that kind of gave us the confidence to move on. And, you know, we were picked up by a publisher, Bloomsbury Publishing. If people don't know about Bloomsbury, they're number, probably the best publishers, one of the best publishers in the UK. They publish, the yeah, in the, in the world. They yeah. publish Harry Potter books. So, you know, we really, we had a number of different publishers that, Kind of wanted to sign us up to be fair it was kind of like an um, auction kind of thing talk your talk <laughs> um, i love it yeah yeah i love it, it. Kind of like an auction like we had to choose but we chose because they were consistent they only work on 10 books a year mm. that really helped for us um so they were focused really on, on us so mm. we chose them and yeah done really well went to jamaica to send us out to jamaica for a month 
We're able to see family because our, our background is Jamaica. We can see family, um, explore recipes. It's, it's a, um, a great experience that you know we look back on, and, and in the book you see the pictures there. Something that you know that will live on forever. You know, for our family, our family, um, family's family. You know, to go on for years, and our, our children will see that when they grow up and just feel inspired, as you said. But yeah, that, that, that got to number one as well. So. Yeah, yeah, number one. Yeah. I think. That experience of going to Jamaica was just unreal, you know, because we always wanted to go back to Jamaica for food. Yeah. So when we um had the pub got, you know, um signed by the publishers, that was their one of their main things basically was to recreate our self-published book, but actually in Jamaica this time. So, you know, all paid expenses, there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love it. Five star hotel. Yeah, but yeah, five star hotel. Yeah. Hardly there. To be right, five star hotel. <laughs> we stayed there for was it two and a half weeks. We're there. I think we chilled out one day. One day. Yeah. So one day. We were up from five o'clock working yeah. out. Yeah. From seven a.m. we were on the roads. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Film, um, taking pictures, getting recipes, mm. just on on job. So, mm. Yeah, and we stayed with our auntie in Kingston for a weekend. Um, the wife went over here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. If the don't know, um, Abby's wife is our cousin. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Our yeah, baby, our baby yeah, man. We got, we got Janice. I can much. see them both clenching their fists as, as they say that. As well, like, <laughs> Literally, we'll come to that. We'll come to that, we'll come to that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm treating, I'm treating her well. I'm treating her well. She's still asleep. But yeah, it's been a great journey. Um, with the self-published book, that my brother said that was a crazy journey to mm. know how to put your book on Amazon mm. without the reseller platform because I know a lot of people put their book on Amazon like on the reseller platform but this is literally our physical books that we send to Amazon yeah. they'll stop in their warehouse and they'll ship out to the UK and then we had our own platform on our own website that we would physically ship out signed books yeah. um, signed copies to people all around the world America yeah. and America's our biggest following Mm. America, you know what I mean? Um, Dubai, China, uh, China Hong Kong, Hong Kong, well, yeah, it's, it's crazy as well. So much different places around the world, Europe yeah. as well. So that was a crazy experience, you know, holding our book in our nan's shed, mm. in our mum's, in my mum's, which is our old rooms. Yeah, in there, books everywhere, like just everywhere. piles of books everywhere. And don't get me wrong, like, even though it sounds like glitz and glamour, you know what I mean? In those times were literally. The, the, the books because when we got the books first it was in the summer so it was fine in our land shed then the winter came mm. and the books got damp yeah. literally probably about six seven hundred books mm. got damp you know what I mean so you can imagine the, the expense so we literally brought them all in we'll, we'll, we'll iron, iron them we'll try to dry them, dry them. try to find <laughs> all, all sorts of outfits <laughs> like, like, bare in the yeah, room yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Hung the books, you know what yeah. I mean, from the pages, you yeah. know what I mean, like, oh. a, like a clothesline. Yeah. And then thankfully, they all dried. That yeah. was fine. Yeah, I think it was only a maybe a couple of three or four or five yeah, boxes yeah. of books that had actually got slightly damp, mm-hmm. but the rest of them were fine, which was which was good. Thankful, and then yeah. those bits where you know, I mean, our printer who was great to us, like four or five rounds of prints, perfect, and like on the sixth round, they just went bust, took our money. And then yeah. they went bust, bro. Yeah, yeah. The, so, the so. last, yeah, the last print. Um, I remember if it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, mm. they were like, yeah, we'll send the prints out. Yeah. Um, 
didn't get the money back, you know. But this, that, that's just an example of, you know, our journey, you know, it may look all that glitz and glam mm. to people, but it's a, it's a journey, ups and downs. Mm. But the most important thing that you need to do is stay focused, stay determined and just stay on track, mm. no matter I, what. I want to ask you more about that, actually, because yeah. in terms of self-publishing, this is something which takes a lot of entrepreneurial spirit. There's a lot of people that I know who would love to write a book, but as soon as they kind of get hit with the first barrier, which is it's, it's really expensive to uh, create your own book and distribute it. And then, you know, some of the, the other challenges, as you mentioned, like marketing it, but also storage, inventory, postage, packaging, all of that. Um, one of the questions Afalabi likes to delve into is whether that entrepreneurial spirit that people have is learned or, or whether you're born with it. So my question to you guys is, you know, when your, your audience said, we want a book, you guys went, okay, let's figure out how to do it. And you went through the pain of actually self-publishing your own book. What do you think it is that, that gave you the confidence that if people say it can be done, we're going to do it? Where other people might look at that process and go, this is too difficult. We need somebody to help us achieve this. Um, is, is it part of your family, do you think, to have this kind of entrepreneurial spirit where people are just resourceful? Or is it something where you had to develop that yourself? Well, yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. I know our granddad was yeah. very much, he had his own business and was known for his own um, building company around London to be honest. He helped a lot of young black men with their first jobs. We couldn't get jobs in the industry. And, you know, I mean, Unfortunately, when my granddad passed away, a lot of people came and said, you know, gave me my first job. Now I've got like my own trade. You know what I mean? Now I'm a doctor. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So I think a lot of that's come from my dad, mm. our granddad, sorry. Our yeah. parents definitely gave us like the confidence to be ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? They never said to us, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. They very much gave us the confidence to be ourselves. But in terms of the entrepreneurial spirit, that is just basically the will to never give up really it's just a will to never give up when you're faced with a barrier there's always a way out there's always a um you know an exit um door or not exit door like a, a pathway that you can go through to to, to to knock over over that barrier so i think when we were faced with like a lot of obstacles like how to go on amazon you know what i mean like how to get the books um where to get the books from like there's so much google searches yeah. you know what i mean so much so many it's literally yeah. just that it's the, the will, you know what I mean, to, to not give up. You're, you're going into an area that is completely mysterious. You don't know what to expect. Sometimes, literally, the will to give up is easier. You know what I mean? It's easier mm. than actually going forward and finding a solution. Yeah. So you literally have to knock out, knock out that the way of thinking in order for you to achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah, I think I definitely touched on what Robert said. There's a, there's a saying, there's a um, quote that Eric Thomas says. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Eric Thomas. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal skill. No, phenomenal will. Phenomenal, phenomenal skill. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal will. Phenomenal skill. So if you've got the will to do something, mm. you know what I'm saying? If, you, if you're determined and you pursue that, that skill will slowly come out. Mm. The more mm-hmm. hard you try, you know, the more determined you are, the more you put in, um, the more you'll get out of it as well. So yeah and I think on top of that just to add something that you embody 
is the fact that you support each other and you push each other through. So when I think when things are difficult, it's very it's a lot easier when there's just one of you to say, yeah. I'm going to walk away. You know, I'm not going to be letting anybody else down but myself. But when there's two of you, it's more important to encourage each other, support each other. Because those stories of, oh, you know, this supplier just stole my money. You're both feeling it at the same time. Mm. Um, and E.T. Um, mentioned, actually, uh, there's a video. I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's around the power of partnerships. And there's this video where he talks about these two horses that when they run by themselves, they can carry like a certain you know. load. But when they run together they can carry like t- five times the load or something like that. And it's a really powerful vision of the importance of working in a team to deliver your vision. So my question around that is you guys being brothers, how has it been kind of working together? Because I am the youngest of um, five boys. So I, we've got boys in the family and growing up with them, it was a love-hate relationship. I loved them. But when it came to practicing their wrestling moves, I was always, <laughs> I was always the target. So in terms of that, what, how has that dynamic been for you? Because not only are you brothers, you're friends, but you're also business partners. So how do you manage conflict? How do you manage your relationship as brothers, as well as business partners? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, you know, it's, I think me and my brother, we've always been close, you know, growing up, like we used to share the same bunk bed together. You know what I mean? Growing up, we were, you know, close, pretty much close, you know, and then if you start in business, if you get into a different kind of um, environment, um, I think it's, it's, it's been, it's been really good, you know, it's been really good. I, I can honestly say that we've, I probably think that we've probably grown closer even more than ever mm-hmm. since the start of the business. I couldn't say that before the business, wouldn't be as close as we are now, right? So, conflict, conflict, there's always conflict with brothers, you know what I'm saying? Like, we always fight sometimes, like, it's not, it's not, that's not the recipe to do this week, you know what I mean? Don't post this post, but we have that conflict, but then a few minutes later, we're just making up, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, that conflict gets squashed like that. We don't hold grudges, and because we know that's, that's the bad energy to have, you know, holding grudges, and kind of keeping that spirit we kind of just let it out we express ourselves with each other and we communicate and we just kind of get on with things really we don't really let, let things get to us and mm. because um, at the end of the day you know the business is not just about us it's about obviously like legacy it's about our kids it's about our family it's about our parents it's about um how people see us as well and, and what example we give out as well so and people can see that, you know, people can see the energy that we have on our videos and stuff like that. So, yeah. How about you, Will? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think, yeah, my, my brother and I, you know, we've been great. I think, you know, I could never have done this business with anybody else. I think I could never be as committed as I as I have been, you know what I mean, as it's been with my brother, you know what I mean? Because I want the best for my brother. He wants the best for me. So, that dynamic there, you know, you can't you can't get that with, with anybody else. I think everybody always asks us, how do you do it with family? Yeah. You know, how do you do that? Especially brothers, do like, how do you do it with brothers? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But I think, you know, we've always been close, to be honest. We've always had that dynamic in terms of we're very much, you know what I mean, different in terms of perspective, which is good for business, yeah. but also it can be dangerous for business as well. 
So I think it's just respecting um we're both, you know, I mean brothers, yes, but we both have different ideas as well. We both mm. have different perspectives. And I think that will always grow. As we both grow, yeah. it won't always be the same. And you know what I mean? Mm. We we may there'll yeah. be different seasons, yeah, the different seasons where we'll have different ideas of stuff, how we should execute things. That's always gonna happen. So I think it's just having that respect and um for both individual um tr- visions i guess of that one vision mm-hmm. so i think yes that will always develop but i think it's just maturity yeah will be key i think thank you now we're coming to the end of this and one of the questions that we always ask our guests uh, on the expensive lessons podcast is what has been your most expensive lesson um, but before I ask that question, mm-hmm. I want to hand over to, to Afalabi just for, for any final questions, any final words. You know, that's, that's the question I'm really keen to, to hear from both you guys, because I, I love the, your honesty and your transparency. For anyone who's trying to start a business, you've shown the, the, the will to win and what you have to do during those dark times where you're literally turning homes into warehouses and you're having to get your hands dirty and you're having to do whatever is needed to succeed. One thing I'm starting to think about a lot, and this is the only question I'll ask is, um, intellect for me is the ability to learn new things. Mm -hmm. So when I think about people who are intellectual, I think about people who are really able to acquire new knowledge. And from listening to you, it's very clear that you've both been able to do that. You've been able to learn new things in response to what is needed. What new things for the future do you see yourselves having to learn for original flavors in 2022, 23, 24? What new things do you think you're going to have to learn for the future and why? Oh, 100%. Um, business development. Yeah. Business development. Ma- um, I wouldn't say management, but it's more business development yeah. and business direction, literally business in terms of... An, and less so of the content. Obviously, the content information is important, sorry. However, it's the direction of where to take the business because there's so much different avenues that we can go down. And it's just about being strategic in the areas of business and the development of the business that we need to go down in those years that you're talking about, or the next six months or the next 12 months. You know what I mean? 24 yeah, months, etc. My brother said, yeah, I think choosing the right things as well. Like we've got so many different ideas, so much things you can you can do. But I think choosing the right thing at the right time, I think doing that, and I guess you can do that through insights, research. Mm. But yeah, definitely business development, doing the right thing at the right time, and yeah, just growing as as much as we can at the right time in the right season. Mm. It's, it's, it's such a valid point. It's so important. Yeah. I, I think of businesses as, as children. And the older a child becomes, the more dangerous they become in terms of the mistakes they can make. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that within our own business. And that's almost been the, the origin stories of expensive lessons. Because our, mm-hmm. our most expensive lessons mm-hmm. have come from our biggest points, um, our most fruitful points. So, yeah, but the people who don't really understand what they're saying, it's the bigger you become, the bigger the mistakes you can make. Yeah, yeah. And to touch on your point, um, Abby, about the most expensive lesson, I think for us, or for me personally, in terms of the business, yeah. I think it's recruitment. 
I think recruitment of the right people is the most. <laughs> is the most because obviously we talk about you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for example, in books yeah. and stuff like that, That's, you know what I mean. That is a, a, a drop in the ocean, ocean. a drop in yeah, the ocean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in terms of the time that you spend with people, or you know what I mean, or people that is helping you or the business, or that you hope to help the business, but they're not the right people. That is so much yeah. more in terms of value that is oh, being listen. lost. You know, what I mean, time that's being. I would lost. say that's probably the most expensive. Lesson. Yeah, 100%. definitely <laughs> recruitment, getting the right people is so. I guess you guys will know. Definitely know. Listen, you're making um, me sweat right now. I'm not. Gonna <laughs> the the feeling I've got in my heart, it feels like I'm there are some. There are <laughs> like there are some people out yeah. there that will send you their CV, and they're almost yeah. like working for the enemy. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like they, their only intention is to take from your business. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you said it. You said it, man. You said it, bro. You, you said, said it, bro. It, Honestly, with, with uh, no I, intention, of, it's, it's all about what you can give, man. Absolutely, it's not about like it's what you can take. And if, if you're coming with that energy of what you can take from the business, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not the right person. You're not the no, right person. not at all. You're not the right person. And just identifying the right people that you need and the right positions that you need as well. Yeah. Especially for our type of business, it's digital. You know what I mean? Um, it's understanding the type of people that you need to take it to the next step. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Do you need a salesperson? Do you need a um, somebody that does your job? Social media, you do another this, yeah. job? Mm-hmm. Do you need something up for socials? Do you need someone for PR? Yeah. Do you need someone, you know what I mean? So it's understanding the roles which we need at this time or in the next six months. And, you know, don't just, you know what I mean, just be too emotional in your, in, in your recruitment. Yeah. Not being too emotional. Is very key as well. Something expensive lesson that we 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 um, definitely learned one hundred percent. Like for example, don't, so like so when you say emotional, don't just get to maybe someone you know mm. or something like some family to you know someone you know or family. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Get, or just to be fill open. A role. Yeah, yeah, just because you know they just like to fill a role. Yeah, just because you know you like how they they are towards you, or they might be you know rubbing your back in the same way. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, we, we want more of that. Yeah, yeah come yeah. on the team. Like, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, take it seriously, you know. CV, cover letter, mm. um, maybe do an internship, a trial, mm. see how they do, and then yeah, take it from there. Um, I've got nothing to add to that. All I will say is just heed these gentlemen's words if you're listening, guys, because that is one of the key things that will grow your business. Um, so please heed their words because they're saying it from experience. Um, Gents, this has been fantastic. I've enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm aware of the business, but I love the fact that I've learned even more about the business and the direction of the business. Um, I love your focus on the community. And I'm not sure how much time we gave to your ambition for the studio um, that you're building out. But I think I'd love to close out just with your one, one of your future um, ambitions is to build a studio, as you've mentioned, which can be used to help develop the new talent coming through um, when it comes to, to, to cooking. And it's focused on people with similar backgrounds as you. And in terms of that, in terms of the people listening, you know, is there any message that you want to share with, with the listeners around that at all? 
in terms of either support, looking into it. You've got a fundraiser. Yeah, so um, I think what we're trying to do, well, I think I know what we're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> I know what we're trying to do. We're basically, you know, we've been in a really great position. You know what I mean? We've worked hard, yes. You know what I mean? We've had doors that have opened for us, which is fantastic, but we also want to help to open doors for others as well who have or will face certain challenges that we faced as well, just to basically expand the community really and give the community more um, opportunities. So yes, we're building a studio. We've built our first studio. Um, sitting there now. We're sitting it right now, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah. You know, and we want to help other people, underrepresented chefs or food creators, to basically have an opportunity to to showcase their skills to a platform that they wouldn't necessarily would have had in other areas of the art industry because in our industry we don't see many people like us you know at the forefront you know what I mean we see the, the Ainsley Harriers we see the Levi Roots you know what I mean the Rain Pascal back in the day but we don't see many you know what I mean up and coming ones but Liam Bakes as well which is great um, a great baker but we want to see more we want to see more we want to be able to build a network a community of people that love our food, that, you know I mean, really want to see our food go to the forefront. And we just want to be that go-to platform yeah. where people want to eat good food. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, have a, a, a many contributors to that platform yeah. that can also um, in, increase their awareness as well in terms of their profiles. So that's yeah. what this studio is for, to, to build up those um, food creators that want to be stylists, food stylists, that want to be food recipe writers, that want to be, you know I mean, editors, video producers mm -hmm. as well around food. And yeah, we just want to create that, yeah. that opportunity. Yeah. Almost like creating like an agency kind of thing, like a, or like an Afro-Caribbean network of food culture, mm -hmm. um, especially for people that are, that doing, there's so much talent out there that's involved in food right now. Mm. social media mm. that just don't have that that platform that or know what to do or maybe not confident but we can bring them in here teach them about camera skill teach them about editing teach them about food styling teach them about what we the skills that we've known yeah. we've got over the years through Bloomsbury and stuff mm. like that and if they want to create a book we can do that for them things like that you know just help them to grow yeah. just like how we do we can't just leave people behind we're going to help people as well and teach them amazing well, Afalabi, I'm going to hand it over to you to close. But lastly, gents, I just want you to have an opportunity to share your handles, link to the fundraiser, link to the website, social media, all of that. You guys, you can find us on um, Instagram at Original Flavor. That's F-L-A-V-A. It's Original Flavor, F-L-A-V-A. YouTube, Facebook, and what else is there? Um, Twitter as well. Twitter. So, the yeah, original yeah, flavor, F L A V A. Yeah, check us out, man. Check yeah, us out, man. Videos and recipes. Yeah. And yeah, man, I love it. The fun is, is over now, but you can contact us by email. Um, just check our Instagram page and you can find out more information there. Fantastic. Amazing. Gentlemen, thank you. Listen, I'm going to purchase the book. It'll make my wife happy. I'm not just doing it for you guys. Um, <laughs> genuinely, you. this has been a blessing so thank you ever yeah, so much man. for joining us good, one thing i'm taking away from everything is that listen success is not random 
like there, there has to be intentionality throughout and that's what you guys as we've exuded you've been intentional you've done what's necessary and for those who are listening it's a call to action for them to go back to the drawing board and actually doing it do it now do it now and do it now so gents until we hear from you again god bless everyone this is expensive lessons the podcast where company directors come to share the fruits of their labors but also the challenges that they've faced the really expensive lessons they've made the issues they've had with recruitment um if you want to listen to more please join us again take care everyone take care